particularly for those who are visiting, the reason why the word coming soon is on the screen is that we've been following a, a series of messages under that title, that Jesus has come, Jesus is here, and Jesus continues to come. And this morning I want to, um, to give the fourth and final message in this series coming soon. We've been thinking during this series about the fact that not only was Jesus born 2,000 years ago, 2,000 miles away in a Judean community in a very different age, in a very different world to ours, but that Jesus continues to be born, or we use the word, continues to be incarnated amongst us in the hearts of believers who wish to welcome him into their lives. And through that presence, God, through Jesus, continues to come into our dark world. Jesus continues to come into our hurting communities. We read in Galatians chapter 4, verse 4, when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his Son. And that fullness of time was in that physical place of Israel, in that physical time of Israel 4 BC, when the prophecy of many years had been fulfilled. But as we have discussed over this these weeks, the presence of Jesus is always coming soon. The promise continues to be fulfilled as Jesus enters in the lives and hearts of believers. Jesus came and he has not stopped coming. In this final message, I would like to give you perhaps a series of short thoughts. I realize some of you may not regularly attend church, and the last thing you need is a very long sermon from me. So I'd rather see my talk this morning as a series of sermonettes, little thoughts, which I hope at least one or two might be helpful to all of us. And the first thought I want to make is this, that God is as good as his word. We like people like that, don't we? We like people who are true to their word. We've just seen an MP on the screen. We like members of parliament, don't we, who are good to their word. That they, what they say is what they actually believe and what they stand up for at the end of the day. And in the Bible reading we had earlier, we, we uh, see the angel Gabriel visiting Mary in her hometown of Nazareth. And announcing, this is the word, the word, where the word annunciation comes from, announcing to her that although she is a virgin, that she is going to give birth to a boy. Not any boy, but actually God's son, and his name will be called Jesus. Now Mary was quite obviously amazed and surprised at this. Here she was, a young lady, maybe even a teenager. And here she is visited by an angel who said, even though you're not... Uh, properly married yet, even though your relationship with Joseph has not been consummated, you're going to give birth to a child. The Gospel writer records that the words of the angel greatly troubled Mary. Well, it would, wouldn't it, if you were in Mary's shoes. But Gabriel assured her, for no word from God will ever fail. No word from God will ever fail. And Mary's response, if you remember from the Bible reading, I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. That prophetic word which had been given for many, many centuries before Jesus came was now being fulfilled. That word was now being made flesh. The promise that came from the angel Gabriel was that word which was now 
becoming reality. No word from God will ever fail, says Gabriel. And Mary responds by saying, yes, and I will be obedient, and I will pray that this world might be fulfilled by me doing my part. We need to be confident in the fact that God is as good as his word. He will not fail us, and his promises are to be relied upon. The prophet Isaiah wrote these words, and this is going back several hundred years before Jesus was born. Isaiah says, For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven, and do not return there but but to water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, and giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word, though it goes out from my mouth, it shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish which I purpose, and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. Let me paraphrase that. What the prophet is saying is, just as God sends the rain and the snow down to water the earth so that, uh, you know, the, the seeds can flourish and we can have plants and vegetation and so on, so as the water comes from, from, from the skies and it accomplishes the reason it was sent, so when God's word comes forth, it will accomplish something. It, it, they're not empty words. They're not barren words. They're not words that will let fall on on deaf ears, but rather they are words which shall accomplish that for the reason that they were sent. And Mary accepted the word from God's angel, and after the initial shock, accepted that God is going to need Mary to play her part in this great plan that God has for mankind. And in the song that Mary goes on to sing, and we you notice we didn't get the commissioner to sing any song for us this morning, but had he carried on, he would have read about Mary's song. And here in those words, Mary exclaims, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Saviour, for the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is His name. God's word had come to Mary, and she realized after she got over the shock that God's going to use her. God's word is for her to make God's plan become reality. God's mighty words were now resulting in God's mighty deeds. That word was about to become flesh and dwell among us and is the ultimate proof that God is as good as his word. The second point I want to make this morning is nothing is impossible with God. I I don't know whether you heard that phrase come through in that Bible reading. It certainly hits me that nothing is impossible with with God. Last Sunday I actually spoke about Joseph rather than Mary, and I mentioned then that you know Joseph and Mary are not fairy tale characters. Even um, words outside of Scripture confirm the fact that these were real people who happened in a real land at a real time. This is no fairy tale character. Mary and Joseph are not just wooden figures we have in our nativity scene at Christmas time. They were real people. They were a young man and a young lady who fell head over heels in love with each other and wanted to get married. Just the same way as Paul and Janine fell head over heels in love with each other and just couldn't resist marrying each other and being united. Same with, same with Joseph and Mary. They were, already, they were more than engaged. They were already betrothed. They'd already become legally bound to each other. All that was needed now was the public wedding ceremony. 
They had their life planned out together when an angel came and completely turned Mary's world upside down and Joseph's as well. And that word told her that she was going to give birth to a baby boy. Now Mary would have liked to have waited until after the wedding. She would have liked it to happen in her own time. She would like it to happen after the marriage was consummated. But, you know, Mary, she wasn't stupid. Now, I've heard some people say, well, this is an ancient time. These ancient people didn't really understand as we understand today. Mary did understand what was happening. She wasn't an idiot. Luke's Gospel records that Mary was greatly troubled. She, she was having a, a, a day of anxiety and, and deep, deep uh, confusion and anger in the midst of it all. Of course she knew what was going on. She was devastated. She was confused. She was fearful now for her future. When Mary was able to talk, the first word she uttered was, How will this be? How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? And the angel replied that her baby will be called the Son of God, for nothing is impossible with God. Nothing is impossible with God. Actually, these are the same words that were used 2,000 years earlier. Some of you will remember the name of Abraham. And Abraham and his wife were in the 90s and they still didn't have a baby. And yet God gave Abraham the promise he would be the father of many nations. Until one day, Sarah became miraculously pregnant herself. And she says, and it's recorded in the book of Genesis, she says, in awe and wonder, is nothing too hard for the Lord? And here, 2,000 years later, Mary's almost reflecting the words of Sarah. Is there nothing too hard for the Lord? Is nothing impossible for God? I want to say to you this morning that nothing is impossible for God. Now, let's not get crazy about this. It doesn't mean we can go off and make daft prayers and raise great, incredible expectations. I know, uh, my, I actually support Oldham Athletic and the number of times I've prayed that one day they might win the league or win the cup and they never have done. So we can't go off and pray sort of daft prayers. But what we are reading here is simply this, that when God says something will happen, it will happen, no matter how illogical or how crazy it may seem. And when one day Jesus would grow up, he would say to the crowds that gathered, what is impossible for people is possible for God. And I want you to believe in those words that God is saying to you this morning. That when God says the impossible things to you, that actually God can make them possible. God can still do the impossible things. There's an old hymn. It is an old hymn. It's not in our hymn book today. But if you know it, you might want to join in these simple words. Just pick them up I say them. Got any rivers you think are uncrossable? Got any mountains you can't tunnel through? God specializes in things thought impossible and does the things that others cannot do. That's our God. Nothing is impossible with him. Third point, those who believe 
shall be blessed. Those who believe shall be blessed. What is blessed word? The word blessed or blessed that we read in the Bible simply means happy. Those who believe shall be happy, shall be content. Mary's cousin, Elizabeth, said some words to Mary which have been recorded for prosperity in the Gospels. This is what she says. You, Mary, are blessed, are happy, because you believe that the Lord would do what he said. Because you believe that nothing is impossible with God, because of that, you're going to be happy. You're going to be blessed beyond measure. And those who believe that someone greater than us is in control are blessed and happy and content people. It is comforting to know that the God who put the stars in, in place, the God of the universe, is the same God who is interested in you and me. It's the same God who knows you and knows you and knows you. It's the same God who loves you and loves you and loves you. The Bible tells us that God is personally interested in each one of us. So much so that he even knows the hairs on our head. Even they are numbered. Which in my case is no big deal, but there we are. God is interested in each one of us. And Jesus would later say to the crowd by the Sea of Galilee, Blessed or happy are those who are poor in spirit. Blessed and happy are those who mourn. Blessed and happy are the meek. Blessed are happy are those who are hungry and thirst for righteousness. Blessed, happy are the merciful. Blessed, happy are the pure in heart. Blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed and happy are those who are persecuted. And blessed and happy are those when people insult you and persecute you, say all manner of things of evil against you falsely. Because you can rejoice, because great will be your reward in heaven. And if, like Mary, we can have that simple but sure faith to believe, we can be blessed and happy too. This really can be a happy and blessed Christmas if we understand who is the reason for the season and receive the gift that God has given to us, the gift of Jesus Christ. And finally, finally not only for this message, but finally for this series coming soon, I want to leave you with a final word, and it is simply one word, the word Emmanuel. Isaiah, who, as I said earlier, was speaking and writing about 700 years before Jesus, gave this prophecy. The virgin shall be with child and will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. Emmanuel, of course, is Jesus. And the word Emmanuel, a Hebrew word, means God with us. Hebrew words ending with E-L have God in them. Emmanuel, with us, God, really, but God with us. So like the names of Daniel have God in his name. Joel, Ezekiel, all have God in their names. Of course, Emmanuel, Emmanuel, God with us. And I'd like to leave you this word because it really sums up everything we've been saying in this series, that God has come, God is come, is with us, and God will continue to come. And so the final word I want to leave with you is this, Emmanuel. 
because I want you to know this morning, God will be with you. God is with you. He's with you in the workplace. He's with you at home. He's with you in your neighborhood. He's with you in your distress. He's with you when when all else has failed. You pray a prayer to God wherever God is. God is with you. Emmanuel. That's the miracle of Christmas. That's the message of Christmas. That God so loved the world, loved each one of us, that he sent his only son, Jesus. That's whoever Whichever one of us believes on him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. God is not some distant God that we worship through idols and rituals. Ours is a God who wants to be with us and near us and above us and below us and behind us and in front of us to lead us forward. Our God is the one who wants to wrap his arms around us and be with us. And that's what Emmanuel means that God is with us. This Christmas especially, we are celebrating the coming of Jesus into our world, into our communities, into our lives. We are celebrating Emmanuel, God with us. It's an ancient world word from an ancient prophecy, but a word which is for you and for me this morning. God is with you. God loves you. God is interested in you. God wants you to be blessed and happy. He wants to do the impossible through you. Jesus wants you to know that his word is as good as his word. And what a word I am leaving with you. Emmanuel. This Christmas time, God is with you. He is come. He has come. And he will continue to come into our world. Amen. Shall we just pray together for a moment? Oh God, our Father, we thank you that you so loved us that you sent Jesus to be one with us. We thank you that you are with us. We thank you that you are with Paul and Janine in their marriage, in their relationship. We thank you that you are with us in our world, in our relationships, in our joys and even within our uh, anxiety moments. We thank you, Lord, that you are Emmanuel, God with us. And we pray especially at this Christmas time, in the midst of all the, the, the presents and the food and the, the singing and the, the meeting with family and the shopping that's still got to be done, in, in the midst of all that, the chaos of Christmas, Lord, may we just ponder once again the great gift that you give to us in Jesus so that the God of the heaven and the God in the skies can be the God who came to earth and can be the God who reigns with us. For we ask this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.